We welcome you back to the airwaves of Radio Islam International. We now move on to the next segment of our program, and that is where we take a look at uh, the various questions which our listeners have sent through to us. Let's take a look at uh, some of these questions that has come through. So, Muftisab, uh, there's a question here, and this question reads, Assalamu alaikum, Mufti. A lady can no longer stay with her spouse because of his and his family's verbal and emotional abuse. He has insisted that he wants the mahar for khula. The mahar, a gold coin, was sold early in the marriage to help pay off his debt. What value should be paid to him? The present value in rents or the value at the time of nikah. If the present value, then should it be at the buying or at the selling price? Although he still owes money lent to him, he is now insisting he wants the coin which she doesn't have. Please advise. Jazakumullah. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. So in a situation like this, you know, as we said that the khula is done on uh, the, uh, the the recommended amount is the amount that was given in the mahar at that time. So uh, if he wants that, then that could be done. But now there's a bit of a ambiguity here where he wants the amount of the khula but uh, the sister also saying that um, he still owes money lent to him. So I suggest, you know, that this does not become acrimonious. They both now at the point of parting. Uh, Allah is in the verse of the Noble Quran says that that you keep her with kindness or you part ways in an amicable manner. And uh, uh, I think that now that they've reached the point that they want to part, and that is the point that they've reached, so uh, I would suggest that they go to a senior person in the family and they try to work out the terms of the parting in a way that would be agreeable and amicable to both parties. Look, uh, you know, it's for him now in Kula to decide what he wants, if that is what she wants. It is suggested that he uh, take the amount which is the... Uh, meher amount, but uh, uh, at this point, if the, if he wants a higher amount uh, and uh, she's willing, you know, that, that, that is at his liberty to choose that amount and uh, uh, if she wants her separation, then she will pay that amount. Okay, Jazakallah for that, Muftisab. Another question that a listener sent in. Uh, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Mulana, I sit on the bed and read namaz. My husband walks in front of me. He doesn't wait until I finish my salah. So is my namaz broken? I do put something in front of me, but sometimes I forget. Uh, so the namaz is not broken if someone walks in front of you. Uh, what you should do is put a, what is termed as a sutra. So, you know, like a chair or something like that, or anything like that which would uh, fulfill this purpose. Uh, try to be consistent in putting that in front of you so that he doesn't walk in front of you. And if he walks in front of the sutra, then there's no problem with that. Uh, the, so the salah remains intact. He is sinful for walking in front of you. Uh, uh, if there's no other way, then he should wait. or should try to go around you. Uh, so this is negligence on his part and, you know, an underestimation as to the great importance of salah and the respect that a person that is in salah needs to be given. 
Sahab, another question is, respected Mufti, a person makes a verbal or written wasiyah that after ghusl, then his or her janaza must leave from the ghusl khana to the kabristan. Why is this wasiyah disliked by family members? Please explain the benefits of this wasiyah in this manner. Uh, so the person makes this wasiyah, but uh, this is not something to make as a wasiyah. This, uh, you know... Uh, when you pass away, you have to give your children the right terbiah in their life, and then they must now make decisions with regards to how you should be dealt with. And uh, therefore, I would say that this type of wasiyah should not be made. It should be left at the discretion of uh, the uh, the uratha at that time. And there's no problem with the you know uh, with the mayat being taken back to the home for a while till the suitable time of the janaza. Yes, we are told to hasten with the janaza, but a person shouldn't do that, which would now cause an upset and, uh, you know, uh, disrupt, uh, cause a disruption in the family. So uh, to give the females of the family some closure so that they are able to, you know, see the maid for the last time before the maid is taken to the Kabristan, so I would say that, you know, a person shouldn't make a wasiyah of this nature and uh, the person should leave these types of arrangement for his wuratha to make uh, and they will use the discretion after his demise. Okay, Jazakallah for that. Mufti, another question is, Salam, Mufti, I have heard that you can't dye your hair or beard black. Is this true? Does it apply to male and female? Can Muftisa please explain the concept of dying in Islam? Yes, so using henna or katam, which is a type of a leaf, uh, this is uh, declared as a sunnah of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa There are different opinions amongst the ulama as to whether Nabi sallallahu actually used uh, henna on his beard. Some say he did, some say he didn't. Uh, he used it for other purposes, some medicinal purposes. But nevertheless, when Abu Quhafa was brought, uh, at the time of the conquest of Mecca, and he was completely grey, then Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam then advised that he should remove the greyness. Uh, so, yes, it is recommended that a person use henna or any other leaf that would, you know, give some colour to hide the greyness. Now, when a person dyes their hair black or dyes it to the original colour that a person has, there's an element of this deception in that. Uh, so that is why it is not permitted because you are then deceiving people about your age. So it applies to male and female. They're not allowed to dye black or to dye to the color of the original color of the hair. Uh, they're allowed to use other colors like brown, mahogany, uh, you know, and other colors, uh, which should uh, be uh, the purpose is obviously to cover up the gray hair. And this is the purpose behind that is to obviously uh, make yourself, to adorn yourself for your spouse and to look in a, to groom yourself to the part of self-care and taking care of oneself. So uh, the, the uh, prohibition is because of the element of this uh, deception. Uh, that is why it is prohibited for males or females to dye their hair or for males to dye their beard black. For that, Muftizab. Other questions. Is it permissible for a person to work as an accountant? Are clients exempted from paying interest penalties due to late filing? Now, an accountant, you are merely recording transactions. You're not part of the transaction. Therefore, if your Muslim clients pay interest and you record it, 
you know, you will not be part of, as the hadith says, La'ana Rasulullah Akila riba wa mukilahu wa katibahu wa shahidaihi. Those who uh, eat the riba, who, you know, part of it, who write down the transaction, witness to it. But as an accountant, you're not actually writing down the transaction. You are now just recording the history of the transaction. So therefore, you do not fall within the ambit of the, uh, the prohibition of that hadith. Okay, a person sends a message saying that I wish to start a personal care products manufacturing company in India. I have very limited capital to invest and I do not wish to take interest-based loans from banks or individuals. Can I seek venture capital? Is it halal? Yes, so when you talk of venture capital, it's a financial capital provided to, to early stage, high potential growth startup companies. Uh, the venture capital earns money by all owing equity in the companies it invests in, which usually have a uh, you know technology or business model in high technology industries. So uh, we obviously need to look at what would be uh, the details of this, and every situation would be different uh, according to the terms by which it is granted. Uh, and, uh, you know, if it is such, each partner will have a share in the net profit according to the pre-agreed ratio. And the profit ratio does not have to be in according to the percentage of the capital contribution. Rather, it should be according to the profit accrued in the camp partnership. Uh, if a partner is a sleeping partner, his profit cannot exceed the percentage of the capital contribution. So there are various details that need to be considered with regards to a partnership and therefore uh, we can't just give a general ruling in this regard. Okay, another question that comes through is, I'm an information security person and in process of owning a consulting firm. I currently hold a qualification of internal security assessor of PCI, that is payment card industry. Soon I'll be applying for a QSA, which is a qualified security assessor credentials in order to attest to security standards set by PCI Council. The security attestation would apply to all industries for payment card processing, whether it's a retail chain, financial institutions, oil and gas, etc. Can you please advise if it's okay to do security assessments for all these firms on payment card industry setup? Yeah, so, yeah, again, you know, it may be banking institutions, it may be other institutions, financial institutions, but uh, if your work is as a security assessor and you have no direct link with transactions that the bank or the company carries out, then you are just ensuring security protocols. And because of that, it would be permissible for you to render the service. Okay, another question a person sends through is, my mother passed away, now I want to give compensation for her must Rosa, which she not made intention for that is Kaza. For Kafara of Rosa, there is a rule that you cannot give more than one fidya in one day to one person. I want to know if this rule is also applicable in case of paying for Rosa. Suppose I want to do fidya of five Kaza Rosa to one single person on one single day, will that be valid? And another question with regards to this is, if in case of fitya of namaz, I give more than one fitya to one person on one day, is that valid? Uh, so uh, what the question is stating that, uh, you know, you cannot give more than one to one person one day, that is not correct. It is permissible to give 
one person more than one fidya in one day. In fact, you may also give the entire amount of fidya to one person at once. And uh, the person is asking, is there a difference between the qaza of fasting and the qaza of salah? Uh, the ruling here applies to both the fidya of salah as well as the fidya of psalm, which is fasting. So yes, you can give to one person uh, the entire amount in one day that is due. So just say the person missed salah of one year, and the, qaza, the fidya amount is just say 20,000 rand that needs to be prepaid. You can give that whole 20,000 to one person who is a worthy recipient, and you give it to that person, uh, and uh, it will then be done. All right, Jazakallah Muftsab, another question. Is it haram to beg in the masjid and is it haram to assist the beggar in the masjid? Yes, so begging is just like in the Sharia. There's a narration where Sayyidina Hakim bin Hizam radiallahu anhu says that I asked Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and he gave me. And I asked him again and he gave me. And I asked him again and then he gave and then he said, Oh Hakim, uh, this wealth is lush and sweet, and whoever takes it with greed, Allah will. Uh, whoever takes it without greed, Allah will bless him. But whoever takes it with greed, Allah will not bless him, and he will be like the one who eats but is never satisfied. And then Nabi Sallallahu said, uh, "The upper hand is better than the lower hand." And Sayyidina Hakim says that I said, "O Nabi of Allah, by He who sent you with the truth, I will never ask anyone for anything until I depart from this world." And he said that you know after this, even if he was on that conveyance. This whip fell down, he wouldn't ask anyone to pick it up. So, yes, mm -hmm. it is permissible for one to beg if one has absolutely no, uh, you know, no access to anything. Uh, for example, no food, uh, you're unable to earn for yourself your basic necessities of life, uh, then it is permissible for one to beg. Uh, a legitimate beggar uh, may beg in around the masjid if it is not inconvenience anyone in the masjid, there's not a danger to the security of the masjid. But if those things is, is an inconvenience or there's a danger, then the trustees of the masjid have the right to say, no beggars allowed. Uh, do not give any beggars here. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, they shouldn't be, you want to help them, take them to another place, tell them to meet them, meet you at another place, and then uh, you can help them uh, there. On the other hand, uh, it's not permissible for an able-bodied person who can earn for himself to beg, uh, you know, only when it's an extreme case of necessity. People have made this into a form of uh, uh, activity for them, and people who are able then turn to begging. Uh, a man from the Ansar came to Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and asked for something, and Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, have you anything in your house? And he said, yes, a piece of cloth, a, a part of which we wear, and a part of which we spread on the, and a wooden bowl from which we drink. And Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, bring it to me. And then he brought it to Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And then Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam sold that and then gave him an axe and then said, now go and chop wood. And uh, he chopped wood and then he was able to earn. And then Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam asked him, is this not better than you going to uh, ask people here and there and get repelled? And he said, this is far better. So yes, they say, you know, give a man fish and you feed him for a day, teach him how to fish and you feed him for a lifetime. Jazakallah for that, Muftisab. Another question is, um, 
Me and my, f uh, me and my friend have constructed a house with the intention to sell it off in future and get profit out of it. The house is ready, but not yet sold. Do I need to pay Zakat on this house further? Can I give Zakat amount to my aunt? Uh, they specify my, uh, my khala who is in need of money for her treatment. She is not that much poor. She has own house to live in, but she does not have money for her operation. Can I give zakat to her without informing her that it is zakat money? The house in question was constructed with the intention of resale, and yes, it will be necessary to pay zakat on 2,5% of the current market value of the house. As long as the uh, house remains in your possession. You may pay the card for the house uh, at the end of each year. And yes, it is permissible to give the card to your aunt, even if she owns her own property, on the condition that the value of her wealth, her cash, gold, silver, items in stock and trade, does not exceed the threshold of Nisab, which is 87,479 uh, grams of gold or 612,38 uh, grams of silver or its value in money. So when calculating this amount, a house, household items such as kitchen supplies and furniture, clothes and vehicle for transport will not be taken into consideration. And if the payment for her, uh, you know, operation has already become due, uh, then uh, uh, you will further subtract that. So now, you know, in terms of her situation uh, and what is required in that regard. But uh, the important point here is that uh, we need to look at what is on hand and uh, then subtract that. Uh, if there's any debt, etc. Okay, Mufsab, Jazakallah for that. Another question, are Muslims allowed to eat turtle meat since they live in seawater and land also? No, you're not allowed to eat turtle. It doesn't fall in the category from fish. But in terms of what is in the ocean, only that which falls in the category of fish is permissible to eat according to the Hanafi Madhab. Okay, Jazakallah for that. Um... Another question, what is Sharia saying about interpreting dreams? Do the person have to be ulama to interpret dreams or some special qualifications in time of the Prophet ﷺ who was translating dreams? Yes, so the science of interpreting dreams is an intricate one. It requires an interpreter to have in-depth knowledge on different sciences of deen. And dreams do not materialize in reality exactly as one had seen. They tend to hold a hidden meaning which needs correct interpretation in terms of the light of the Quran and Hadith. And that is why it's not everybody's job to interpret the dream. The mere knowledge of different factors that indicate towards the truth of the dream is not sufficient to interpret it. Uh, Nabi Sallallahu said that a ru'ya, uh, the vision, the dream, flutters over man as long as it's not interpreted. But when it is interpreted, it takes place as interpreted. And uh, the Sahabi was listening to this said that, uh, you know, he said that Ahsebu qal wala yakusuha illa alau. Nabi Salaam said, "Tell it only to the one who loves, one who has proper judgment." So, you know, don't go to Tom, Dick, and Harry for the interpretation of your dream. So, what are the conditions uh, for the interpretation of dream? That the person should have knowledge of the Quran and Hadith. The person should have insight and uh, into the linguistics of the Arabic language. You should understand the conditions and the temperaments of people seeking interpretation. Should be knowledgeable regarding the principles of interpreting dream. Person should be a spiritually upright and have good character. Should be truthful. So these are some of the conditions that is required when a person interprets a dream. Now, with regards to dreams, you know, uh, in the time of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he used to interpret the dreams of the Sahaba himself. Uh, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said 
that كان مما يقول لأصحابي من رأى منكم رؤيا فليقصها أعبرها له that whoever seen a vision should narrate it and I will interpret it for him. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said while I was sleeping I was given a full bowl of milk in the dream and I drank from it to my fold and I noticed its wetness coming to my arm then I gave the rest of it to Umar bin Khattab and the person sitting around asked what have you interpreted about the dream of Nabi Allah he said that it's religious knowledge that Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam passed on the knowledge to Umar bin Khattab radiallahu anhu so it's not just you know, as you see it to be, but there's a hidden meaning, deeper meanings, and therefore the person needs to have that uh, deeper understanding of the Sharia as well as the understanding of the principles with regards to the interpreting of knowledge. There are some further questions that come through. So, you know, uh, the person that sent a message earlier on with regards to dyeing the hair black, etc., they now send another question in which they are asking. The reason why I ask is because we see many ulama and scholars with black beards, but they are already advanced in age and had white hair. Uh, this may be the karamat of these awliya. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Mufsab, another question. My husband insisted that my two daughters have to do hivs. I feel like it needs to be a choice of their own. It is a great thing to do, but also a big responsibility. So you started my 10-year-old. She's doing it, but she's been complaining and says she doesn't want to do. And I feel like she's doing it because he wants her to, and I fear it will create hate for the Quran. I'd rather have a child who loves to read the Quran instead of forcing her to do hivs, and she grows to hate it because she was forced. I try talking to him about it in a polite manner, but he says I don't want them to do something good, and that is not at all my reason. Please advice i would advise you as the mom of them that you know you start reading about the virtue of hips read books about the hufas etc and just for a while focus on that and then what that will obviously now have an impact upon you and then once you've now it's settled in your heart then i would then try it advise you to then share this virtue and you know about the hufas and memorizing the Quran with your children. And inshallah, this will open their heart to it. Okay, another question, Mufti Sab. Does the husband have to give the wife monthly allowance? In my case, my husband buys me whatever I want, and he says he doesn't have to give me monthly allowance. Is whatever I want or need, he buys me. Yes, so the husband is obliged, you know, to provide the place of residence and nafaka to take care of all the needs of his wife. Over and above that, the ulama suggests that he should give his wife something. But, you know, in terms of uh, once the basic needs are taken care of, then uh, he has fulfilled his responsibility. But in matters of, uh, you know, marriage, it's not just about responsibility. Uh, we obviously want more than that from our spouses. So we've got to go beyond that also. Okay, um, let's see this question here. Malana, my zakat for last year was due in Ramadan, but was delayed till November as I haven't yet had my jewelry valued. So I ended up giving my zakat in November. I want to know, will my next year's zakat be due in November or again in Ramadan? No, the date will remain in Ramadan. If you pay it early or you pay it late, it still remains in Ramadan. So that won't change when your zakat will be due. Okay, final question, Muftisab, is... Uh, if I sponsor a Marissa child with a fees, can I say is is a thawab for my late husband? 
yes, you can certainly do that. Uh, and inshallah, with everything that the child learn, uh, that will be a means of reward for your late husband. Also, as the child practices and teaches others, perhaps in the future, that will also be a continuous reward for your late husband. So this is really a great investment for your late husband. Jazakallah, Muftisab. Jazakallah so much. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward you in abundance and, uh, you know, uh, allow us to continue taking benefit from you. Jazakallah so much. Amen. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa